we're so glad that you guys are here. Um, I'm excited to be talking to you guys today about our third part of the Be Rich series. Um, Brian is going to be preaching next week on another part. We're going to do another part of this Be Rich series because it's just so good. And we love hearing you guys' stories about all that's happened. And just real quick before we even get started, um, if the ushers will pass out these cards, the Be Rich series has been this. It's been a challenge to take church outside the four walls. And it's going to be a challenge for you and for your family as the buckets pass. If you can grab a card if you don't already have one. And what we're challenging everybody to do is to do a random act of kindness. Um, it may look like a tip to a waitress, but you know what? It may look like mowing somebody's yard. It may look like helping somebody out with a task. It may be um, getting donuts for your kids' teachers at schools. It may look like it, all kinds of different things. You might do a nursing home visit. Um, there's people, I know my kids, they want to go sing. Uh, my daughter's talked about singing at the nursing home for Christmas. Um, it may look like all kinds of different things, but the thing is this, is for you to intentionally go out and do something nice for other people. And what we're challenging you to do is to give them this card. Uh, maybe leave it wherever you are and do something nice. It says just something extra to show you God loves you. And if you want, you can post your picture on social media with the hashtag Be Rich Challenge. And we love seeing your posts and what you guys have been doing. I think it's awesome to see all these cards everywhere we go. People just getting loved, you know, in our community. I think it's awesome. Awesome, awesome. So proud of you guys. Um, all that said, we've got our women's event coming up on this Friday. And I am so, so excited. We have got an amazing night planned for you, ladies. If you have not signed up, registration closes at midnight tomorrow. At midnight tomorrow, you will not be able to get any more. More tickets. It will be closed if we do not sell out before then. And so please be sure and sign up at the information table. We want you to be there to join us because we are going to have a lot of fun, ladies. It's okay for you to take a night for you, okay? So come. I want to see your smiling face there. Uh, Brian's grandmother's driving three hours to be there for it. She is so excited about being there for the women's event. And so be sure to get your spot. And uh, also, I wanted to update you guys on our church land. Just for those of you that don't know, um, before we could break ground, somebody say five. Say five again. Say it like me and say five. It takes five council hearings before we can break ground. And so uh, government loves to have lots of red tape and hurdles for you to go over. And so this week we went through number one council hearing and it went great, went very successfully. And so now we're moving on to the second uh, council hearing, which will happen week after next. And so then we'll be three away from being able to break ground. I am excited. Our architect is completely done on all of our plans. And so we are just going through the motions with the city to appease them. And how many of you guys know, anytime you get government involved, it takes twice as long as you want it to take, right? Um, they have a system and a procedure for everything. And so we are actively working on that all the time, every week. And so just wanted to give you an update that our church home is coming soon. Uh, we are ready, ready, ready. I, I, I was in a meeting the other day and they said, well, when did you want to break ground? I said, yesterday. And they go, but really? And I said, tomorrow. <laughs> and they go, okay, but let's get all these hearings done first. And I was like, okay, we'll hurry up and do them already. So they're working on it. And so just wanted to update you with that. So with all that said, are you guys ready to hear the word? We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17 through 18. Hey, real quick, I forgot. Brian ran his first half marathon on Thanksgiving Day. Isn't that awesome? 
He's a really good runner, guys. He's awesome. Uh, we also ran it with Jimmy and with Donnie, and uh, it was awesome. And right before mile five, I, uh, Jimmy realized I was about to beat him, so he pushed me down. And uh, I hurt my ankle really bad. And so if I'm walking, uh, hobbling, that's because my ankle is hurt. But it's all Jimmy's fault. And, but he finished before me. And you know what he said when I was laying on the ground as he came by to check on me? He said, I almost asked you, hey, if you're going to quit, can I have your earbuds? I said, that's awful. It's like you're picking a dead body clean of all the remains, you know. And so I did what any person does. I got up and I ran the final eight on my hurt foot because mama didn't raise a quitter. So anyways, Brian says it's dumb. I say it's victory. It's just all in your outlook. And so I say I won the half marathon, although I did not place anywhere near a good time. So, but I finished. So with all that said, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. I'm all over the place today. Is that okay? We had fun in first service. Can I have fun with you today? Is that okay? I'm going to treat you like family. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. It says, command those who are rich. Somebody say, I'm rich. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm rich. Rich in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. Tap your neighbor. Say, do good that they will be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. Can I pray with you this morning as we start? God, I just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen, amen. Well, uh, my mom is, I love hanging out with my mom, and she's actually really hilarious. And my mom's a lot of things, but saying that she's uh, technologically challenged is an understatement sometimes. And uh, recently, the iPhone got a new update, and she was so excited to show me all the new features that it had. And she said, Crystal, the update is incredible. And this one thing that it does is worth the whole update. And I said, what is it? And she goes, you press the home button. And then it reads your fingerprint, and it automatically opens. Your phone opens, and she goes, watch. And so she does it, and I look at her, and she goes, I know, right? It's worth the update. And I said, Mom, it's done that the whole time. You just didn't even realize it. And she was like, are you kidding me? And so then a few weeks go by, and I'm with her, and my mom had not been answering any of my phone calls, not responding to any of my texts, and I'm starting to think, because I'm the favorite child, and so I'm not used to this kind of cold shoulder, and so I told her, Mom, what's the deal? You haven't been texting me back. You haven't been calling me, and she said, I haven't gotten anybody's call or text in weeks. She said, I don't know what's happening. Unless they leave me a voicemail, I don't get it. And uh, so I told her, I said, Mom, there's no way that you could be missing everybody's phone call. I said, have you checked the volume on your phone? Yes, Crystal, I've checked. I'm like, is your ringer on? Yes, Crystal, my ringer is on. And I'm still not getting anybody's calls or texts. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You Google, right? Because Google has the answer for everything. It's Google and God. They, like, work hand in hand. Um, I think Google is God's brother. Um, just kidding. That was a joke. And um, But I Google it, and I go, Mom, is your do not disturb on? And she said, I don't know what that is. And so I swipe up on the bottom. And how many of you guys know it has a little moon there, you know? 
And sure enough, my mom had clicked the moon, which means do not disturb, which also means I choose to now ignore my children and everybody else (laughs) that attempts to call or text me. And so I take the moon off, and all of a sudden, here comes all these texts rolling in on my mom's phone. And she's like, they're all talking to me. All my friends are there. You know, she was so excited. And, And I thought it was hilarious because for so long, she thought there was something wrong with her phone, that there was something wrong with people. But all along, the problem was she was on do not disturb and uh, as I was preparing for this message I just kind of thought about how many times in our own lives do we think that there's something wrong in our world that there's something wrong with us but the problem is that we have a do not disturb on our life that we're so caught up in us and and if I could sum up this be rich series in any way it would be that you get you off your mind that, that you begin to choose to be disturbed in your day-to-day life, that you choose to stop thinking about yourself first and instead put others first, that you begin to put God first, and that you begin to go through your life willing to be disturbed. See, if we want to uh, really know what Jesus was like, um, Jesus was always passionate about helping people. He was always everywhere. The Bible sums it up like this, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the enemy. In other words, Jesus lived his whole life willing to be disturbed. I was in Barnes and Noble the other day and it had a book that said uh, to study the steps of Jesus. And as sweet as that sounds, I think that really the most that we can find out about Jesus is not in his steps, but in his stops. What, what made him stop? What made him, what stopped him from doing his daily life and got his attention enough to make him stop? And have you ever just wondered what was it like for a day in the life of Jesus? I mean, what was a day for him like? I know what my daily life is like, but what was his day like? And we find that out in Matthew chapter 8. Let's kind of just look at one day in the life of Jesus. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, great throngs followed him. And behold, a leper came up and worshipped him, prostrating himself, saying, Lord, if you are willing and you are able, cleanse me by curing me. And he reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed by being cured. And instantly the leprosy left his body. Verse 5, it says, as Jesus then went up to Capernaum, a centurion came up to him, begging him. Verse 7, it says, And Jesus said to him, I will come and restore him. So the centurion's asking for healing for his son. And Jesus says, Hey, I'll do it. That's no problem at all. And verse 14, it says, And when Jesus went to Peter's house. So here Jesus is. It all starts out. He's on the mountain. He's praying. And then he comes down and crowds are there. And so he heals all the people there. And then he's trying to walk along. And a man needs his son healed. Jesus heals the son. Now he's about to be to Peter's house. This is all in the same day. And so here he is. How many of you guys know that sometimes you just want to shut the door and be left alone? You want to just have a few minutes off. So here Jesus is, and it says, And he went into Peter's house, and he saw his mother-in-law lying ill with fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up, and she began waiting on him. Even Jesus, when he's in a place, he's in a place of rest, he's still healing people. And when evening came, they brought to him many who were under the power of demons. And he drove out the spirits with a word and restored to health all. Somebody say all. 
all who were sick. And now Jesus, when he saw the great throngs around him, gave orders, hey, let's get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake. I just need a break, right? And so then he's in the boat. They're on their way. And it says, and after he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And suddenly, behold, there was a violent storm on the sea. So great, so, I'm sorry, so that the boat was being covered up by the waves, but he was sleeping, Jesus just needed a break, right? And then we all know the story. He gets up and does what? He calms the storm because Jesus doesn't ever take a day off. He's, he's always busy doing good. That's a lot of good to be done in one day, right? I mean, when the, when the scripture tells us that he went about doing good, he literally, his whole day, he was mission focused. And if you want to see what Jesus was passionate about, he was always passionate about people, He was always passionate about helping people. Jesus was never in too much of a hurry or too busy to stop and help somebody. He was always wanting and looking for people who are hurting and needed a message of hope, needed help, needed healing, needed whatever they needed. Jesus was always willing to rise to the occasion. And I wonder, how much of our life do we spend doing this? We wake up in the morning and we ask God, what are you going to do for me today? And what if we begin waking up and asking God, God, what can I do for you today? And I wonder if Jesus, when he was up on the mountain, if he was like, God, who can I help today? And I wonder if our life would begin to change, if, if we would begin to live more rich lives. If you want to live a rich life, get yourself off your mind. If you want to start really living a life that's fulfilling, stop living it just for you. Let me ask you a question. If God answered all the prayers that you prayed, would your world be changed or would the world be changed? So many times I think if God answered our prayers, all that would change is our life. We'd have a nicer car. We'd live in a nicer house. We'd make more money. But the world around us wouldn't change. And you know what? You'd still be miserable. And the happiest you'll ever be is when you begin to give your life to other people. When you begin to serve and help other people, you'll begin to live a big life. Jesus said this, by this, you will know that they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Jesus, in other words, is saying that you're going to be known by your love. If you're known by your love, how well are you known? Or are we known at all? Let me just ask you a question. See, I think a lot of people say that they don't like church, but what they're saying is, I don't like people who just go to church and then act different. And, and what they're saying is not really that they don't like God or Jesus, but they just don't like it when people go and act one way and then go and act another. Come on, somebody. I think a lot of times if we, uh, I was talking to a lady the other day and she said, oh, I've heard lots of great things about your church. And I said, oh, thank you. And I said, we have a really great church. She said, yeah, well, I went on your Facebook page and I decided to check out the people that liked your church page. And I said, well, there you go. You must have a lot of free time on your hands because we have over a thousand people that have liked our Facebook page. So that is a lot of time. And she said, yeah, well, I went on there and some of those people's profile pictures were just way inappropriate. There was a girl holding a beer bottle and there was a girl that was very provocatively dressed. And she said, I just refuse to go to a church with those kind of people. And I said, oh, well, that's great because we don't like your kind of people coming to our church. (laughs) And have you ever noticed that Jesus was really loving to the especially wicked sinners, but he had nothing to do with the religious people? And here's the thing is I think we're really good at um, we, we need to begin to love and we need to begin to love people who aren't like us. 
We need to begin to be accepting of people who don't dress like us, maybe don't worship like us. But instead, the church is so busy fighting over things that don't even matter. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, We've got people in church, they get angry. Should you lift your hands and worship or not lift your hands? Should you sing hymns or should you not sing hymns? People are mad. Well, a woman's preaching today. I'm never coming back. And then there's other people that are upset. Do you you baptize babies or do you baptize adults? When do you uh, get to go to heaven? Is there an age or there's not an age? Come on, we're fighting over all this stuff. And all the while, there's people outside these four walls that are hurting. And they need somebody to love them. But the church is so busy fighting with themselves that they have no time to reach people. And Jesus said, by this, they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. In other words, he's saying it's, when, it's more about what you do outside of here than what you do in here. Uh, I love you with the love of the Lord as I gossip about you and say bad stuff about you. And come on, somebody. We need to be a church that's motivated and inspired by love in everything we do. I want this house, I want this church to be known in our community. Of That church is an accepting place. That church, you can really come in just as you are, and they're going to love you and accept you. Does that mean that we make light of sin? No, it doesn't. It means we make great of God. And we know that God's the one that changes people, not us. But here's the thing is that we don't want to mess with love because love gets messy. When you start preaching messages like this, it means that people that aren't like you might start coming here. Uh, We were away and at a conference and Brian and I were in Vegas and because that's what we do as pastors go to churches in Vegas and um, I want to talk about people that don't dress like you or act like you. Go to Vegas church, okay? It'll get you real free real quick. And uh, we were there, and we were still student pastors. And uh, Mama called, and she was really concerned. And she said, well, uh, we had Tuesday Night Unleashed, and everything went good. And uh, I said, great, it went good. And she said, yeah, but we've got a big problem. I said, okay, go ahead and shoot. Tell me what it is. And she said, well, we got done with service, and it was good. And we walked out, and we could smell marijuana. And I said, okay. And she goes, I just don't know what we're going to do. I'm so sorry. And I said, it's great. I said, she goes, no, no. Somebody was smoking weed at the church during service. I said, that's awesome. And I said, this is the best problem to have. And she said, Crystal, why? And I said, that means we're getting the right people to church. That means that we're getting the people that we're supposed to be getting to church. Now, of course, we want to make sure to tighten up security so it doesn't happen next week. But let's believe God that they're going to come back because they're where they need to be. And so many times, I think as a church, we've walled out everybody that's supposed to be here because we're saying you've got to act like this and dress like this and be like this. And if you don't, we don't have any time for you, but we love you with the love of the Lord. And, and we're okay for you to come when you change. Come on. Can you love people between the gap of who they are and who they're called to be? And we saw more people. We saw homosexuals freed through our student ministry because they came in and we loved them where they were, holding their girlfriend's hand. And God, in a moment, instantly delivered them. Not because we preached a message, but because they felt God's love. And here's the thing is God's called us by this. You will know that you are my disciples is that you love one another. How loud is your love? See, love's costly. It's going to cost you stuff. Love, love is a verb. It's, it's active. It's not just a word that's spoken flippantly, but it's something that's out on the streets. It's, it's doing stuff. And, and I'll just tell you that love, usually the opportunity to love people comes in times that's not convenient for you. 
It's when you don't want to go and it's when you're tired and you don't want to go help somebody change their tire. You don't want to go and help somebody move. You don't want to go and sit at a nursing home and visit somebody. You don't want to go and do a hospital visit. But can I tell you that the moments that you're the most fulfilled is when you're loving other people. It's when you're doing something to help others. Let's be a church that's radical with love. Amen. So the first thing in doing this is, is that we got to think love loud. We've got to think love loud. You can think yourself into loving somebody. You can think yourself into loving a people group. Oh, people, I, I hear people all the time. Well, I just can't love those kind of people as though your kind of people are any better. And, and you can think your way. Have you ever talked to somebody and you can just tell, even though they're saying all the right things, that they don't like you? Because you can say one thing, but you make people feel what you think. And if we're not thinking the right thoughts, then it's going to show in our behaviors. And it's impossible to think thoughts of love and not act on them. Because our thoughts produce actions, and our actions produce words, and our words bring change into people's lives. You know, there was a lady, and a pastor friend of mine was out in the foyer saying goodbye to people as they left. And she came up to him, and she said, Pastor, um, I'm really battling depression. I've really been battling depression. I'm, I'm really battling. I don't think I'm going to be able to get through this. It's just been heavy, and I just need to meet with you for counseling. And the pastor said, well, my schedule is really, really full the next few weeks, but you can meet with one of our pastoral staff, and they'll be able to help you. And, and she said, okay. And he said, just call and set up an appointment with my secretary, and we'll get you lined out for a few weeks down the line if you don't want to meet with one of them. And she said, okay. And he said, but I want you to do this one thing for me. And she said, okay. He said, you know those cookies you make? They're always so good. And she said, yes. He said, I want you to start making those cookies. And I want you to take them to nursing homes. I want you to take them to the police station. I want you to take them to neighbors. I want you to take them to any kind of neighborhood. Just go and take cookies to people. And she said, really? He said, yep, that's all I want you to do is go make cookies and set up an appointment if you need to talk. Well, about a month goes by, and the pastor's out greeting people after service, And he sees the lady come by, and he said, hey, you never called. You never set up an appointment with the secretary to meet with me. Remember, you you were battling with depression. She said, oh, pastor. She said, I haven't had any time to think about how depressed I was because once I started making cookies and thinking about other people, she said, I didn't have time to think about my problems anymore. I didn't have time to think about how sad I was. I didn't have time when I thought about all the things that those people in the nursing home were going through and all the things that the people in those neighborhoods were going through. I couldn't help but just help them and and pray for them. And all of a sudden, my life began to change. Can I just ask you a question? Maybe you're on your mind too much. And, and if you begin to think about others, then, man, your life will begin to be really rich and really full. See, this woman didn't need a counseling session. She just needed to start to live love loud. And maybe in your life, you'll start being more fulfilled when you begin to live love loud. You're going to be the most fulfilled in your life when you're serving other people. The next thing uh, that you can do is to begin to speak love. I love what my pastor always says. He says, Encouragement is the one thing that every person could use more of. Encouragement is the one thing. Have you ever thought something good about somebody and not said it? And then later you're sitting there having a conversation with them and and they just begin to talk about how they don't think that they're this enough or, or that enough, that they're not really good at whatever. And in your mind you're thinking, 
I've always thought that you were really great at that, but you've never told them. And I think a lot of times the enemy is able to get with us in our mind and tear us down and make us feel like we're not good enough. But it's because people aren't speaking words of encouragement to snuff out those negative thoughts. You know, you could be one word of encouragement away of changing somebody's life. It takes just a moment. And can I just encourage you that words are free to encourage somebody? And, and what if everywhere you went, every place you went this next week, you decided, I'm going to encourage somebody in my path. I, I love to go to North Park uh, Mall. It's my first ministry, and I uh, love that place. My, one of the main reasons I love it is because their bathrooms are always clean. Can I get an amen? And uh, that's why I also love Bucky's, but that's so just, it's polar opposites in the world. North Park, Bucky's, same thing. And uh, there's ladies always in there cleaning the restrooms, and I always go up to them and tell them thank you. And, there was a lady in there working really hard one day, and I went up to her, and I grabbed her hand, and I told her, thank you so much. You were working so hard, and I just want to tell you I appreciate all that you do. And she started crying, and she said, I thought nobody noticed. What if we just stop for just a moment to encourage people? What if you stopped for a moment and encouraged your waitress and said, hey, I know the restaurant's really busy, and I can tell you're working hard, and I just want to tell you I appreciate it. Thank you for working hard. What if we began to encourage people everywhere we went? The Bible says this in Proverbs 18, 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You can encourage people into success. You can encourage people into a better life. I was at a conference recently, and uh, I met a pastor's wife there, and her name was Nancy. And Nancy's church and her husband's church, they launched the same time as we did. And at the time, they were running about 15 people on a good Sunday. And she began to tell me how they were just struggling. She didn't know how they were going to make it. And she said, Crystal, it's just been so much harder than what we thought. Well, I told her, I said, Nancy, you're my friend for the rest of the conference. We're going to go around together, and we're just going to hang out together. And she said, that's great. And so every person I met there at the conference, I would introduce Nancy but I would introduce her like this. I say, this is my friend Nancy, and her and her husband pastor a thriving church in Dallas. They have new members joining all the time. They're doing such a great job. They're champions for the kingdom. I mean, I would just talk her up. And the first few times I said it, she would just look down at her feet just discouraged. But I began to watch. The more I began to speak that out loud, her shoulders began to roll back. She began to lift her head higher. And they'd say, oh, man, that's so great, Nancy. We're so glad to meet you. That's awesome what God's doing in your church. She texted me a few days after the conference, and she said, I just want to let you know that the more you spoke that, the more I believed it. And when I went home, I told my husband, we are the pastors of a thriving church in Dallas where new members are joining all the time. You know, you can prophesy success into somebody's life. What if in your kid's life you begin to start talking words of encouragement of you're a mighty man of God. You're going to serve the Lord all the days of your life. You're going to do great and mighty things instead of talking what's real. Because I hear people tell me all the time, well, Crystal, I'm just trying to keep it real. Well, that's not going to bring any change. And the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So why don't we start speaking life-giving words everywhere we go? Why don't we start prophesying success into people's lives? You know, Nancy and her husband are still in the ministry. But can I just ask you a question? I wonder if they still would be if she wouldn't have gotten encouraged. And I wonder in your own life how many people are waiting for you to begin to speak love loud. Last thing is this, we're going to begin to show love. 
1 Thessalonians 5.15. It says, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. In other words, you don't just do nice things for people that can do nice for you or have done nice for you, but you begin to live love loud by showing them. You know, my dad um, is probably one of the most amazing people I know. He lives this on a day-to-day basis. My dad has a body shop in Sulphur Springs where he fixes cars. And my dad is the type that his job isn't just how he makes money, it's how he changes the world. And uh, people come in and they'll have wrecked their car and they don't have insurance. And he doesn't just look at them and go, well, that's what you get. You should have had insurance. Sorry about your bad luck. You know, I can't fix your car. But my dad, I can't tell you. If you go into my dad's shop right now, he'll probably have 10 pies and plates full of cookies. And he'll be able to tell you the name of every person that brought those to you. Now, to you, they may look like pies and cookies. But for him, it's payments from widows that couldn't pay for their car to be fixed. It's how he gets paid by single moms who didn't have the money for, the, the, um, for insurance to be able to pay for their car to be fixed. It's how he purchased somebody else. He'd buy people a car and just say, oh, just bring me some cookies once a month and we'll call it even. And I think all the time, there's not a building big enough that when my dad goes to heaven to hold all the people the lives that he's touched. Because everywhere I go in Silver Springs, Cole can tell you. I'll tell him, they'll say, who's your dad? And I'll say, Abbo. And they're like, he's the most generous man I know. I remember one time we were down on our luck and every person has a story about how my dad has touched them. Recently, a lady came in and she was sick with cancer and she was losing her hair and she got her car fixed. And she was just talking about how losing your hair is hard for a woman and about how she just doesn't feel pretty and it's just been difficult so he gave her a hundred dollars and said I want you to go buy an outfit go buy an outfit buy anything you want he called up to Lou Nails there in Sulphur Springs and said anything she spends over that amount put it on my tab I want to make sure she feels pretty as she's going through this cancer treatment love is an action Love is a verb. It's not just something that we speak. It's not something we do. It's not just housed within four walls called a church. It's something that starts here, but it doesn't end here. It's, it's something that as we go out, we're looking for people. And, and I just, I want to tell you that so many times I think we see stuff and we think somebody needs to do something about it. You're the somebody. You are the somebody. Brian and I were sitting at the table one day, and it was Sunday after church, and and there was one of our college students, and she had been believing God for a new car. She had been praying for a new car, praying for a new car. And Brian and I was down to the last week before she believed God for a new car. And Brian said, man, I'm just waiting for somebody to give her that car. And all of a sudden, we both looked at each other and thought, oh, God, (laughs) we're somebody. We went out and bought that car. Guys, I've bought lots of vehicles in my life, but the best car I ever bought was the one I never got to keep. Going down and picking the car. And I'll never forget her face when she walked out the door and she saw that car as her mom and dad sat there and wept. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. And you are somebody. And our city's waiting for you. There's people in your neighborhood. They're waiting for you. They're not waiting for a missionary. They're not waiting for a pastor. They're waiting for you to live love loud.